Abundance of love, abundance of grace. Now to that cross, you took my place. Oh God, you paid my ransom. My ransom. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people. Now, here's Pastor Scott. In Psalm 150, verse number one, the Bible says, Praise the Lord. Praise God in his sanctuary. Praise him in his mighty heaven. Praise him for his mighty works. Praise his unequaled greatness. Praise him with a blast of the ram's horn. Praise him with the lyre and harp. Praise him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise him with strings and flutes. Praise him with a clash of cymbals. Praise him with loud clanging cymbals. Verse 6 says, let everything that hath breath praise the Lord. Praise ye the Lord. I want to speak to you this morning from a sermon titled, He Commands Us to Praise Him. Pray with me. God, thank you for... Your word, God, thank you for each person who's come out today. God, I thank you for those who are working with our children and our babies, Lord, and I pray that you bless them today. Use them for your glory. God, I pray as we look to your word now, God, that you'd strengthen my body and that you'd allow me to say things that would honor you. Teach us today, God, what you would have us to know. Help us, God, not to think that we know more than we do or that we are more than we are, but help us, God, to feed on your word today so that we can learn from you to honor you in all that we do in Jesus' name. Amen. He commands us to praise him. Every child who grew up inside a mother's home or a father's home or mom and dad's home should be able to remember certain things that mom always said, certain things that dad always said. I was encouraged by Deacon Jimmy the other day, was, was giving me a testimony that I've given about my spiritual father he was going through something, and someone asked him, have you talked to Pastor? What, what, what do you think Pastor would say about that? And he said, I don't have to think what he'd say. I know exactly what he'd say. If you've been, you ought to be able to hear mama's voice, daddy's voice in your head and remember what they would say. You know, if you came to the table with mud dripping off your hands, you probably weren't going to make it through the meal if dad or mom was sitting at the table with you. There are just certain things that mom and dad tell you that you need to listen to. I want you to understand God as our heavenly father tells us things that we need to listen to. We need to do what God has commanded us to do so that we can have what he wants us to have. I'm tired of seeing Christians live a substandard life for Christ. I'm tired of seeing Christians be busted, disgusted, can't be trusted. I'm tired of seeing Christians living raggedy and shabby, broke, poor, struggling to get from Monday to Tuesday. I want you to know there's more to life that God has for his children than just struggling to get from week to week. That's not living, that's existing. 
and we ought to want to live. We ought to want to live an abundant life, not just exist. The world's just trying to get from today till tomorrow. Don't let what you hear other people say or what you may even be tempted to say from time to time. I hear it so much. Well, I'm just holding on, Reverend. I'm just trying to make it till Jesus. You shouldn't just be making it. You shouldn't be just be getting by. You ought to, with God's help, be getting over. Can somebody say amen? God commands us to praise him, and we're going to look at praising God today and how he's commanded us to do that and uh, some ways that we can put that into practice. I want to say I give God praise for the physical strength to be here today. Men are the highest creature on the food chain. I tell our men in men's group all the time that we are the apex predator in the world. God put men on the earth to be the dominant force in the world. God put us here to be mountain climbers and dragon slayers. God put us here to, to go out and, 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 and to dominate everything. God put women on the earth to teach men what they don't know. Am I right? God, God put women on the earth to, to be the spiritual barometers and, and, and many times the, the voice of what's right and what's wrong. Uh, because men, men just got to be men. Uh, we were talking about it last week. Real men. I'm talking about alpha men. I'm talking about a man's man. Now, it's not to say you're not a man if you bring home a piece of furniture and you actually pull out the directions and read the directions and go from step 1 to 26. But the first thing a real man does is throw that out of the way because that's in my way. I'm trying to pull open this bag of screws. I'm, I'm trying to get the big pieces laid out next to the little pieces. I know what I'm doing. No, I never put this thing together before, but I'm a man. Thereby, what I just said is I can do everything. And when the, the wall unit gets put up and it leans a little to the left, that just adds character. Well, what about these eight pieces left? Oh, they ship extra with that. They always go have a couple pieces left over. Child's bike just leans this way and you nine pieces. It's okay. That's just how men do stuff. I did a real man thing Friday night at Walmart. I was out with the boys shopping. Went past the bike rack, saw this sweet-looking mongoose bike. Uh, big old fat tires on Had a shock in the middle of the crossbar. I'm like, this thing, Walmart is getting together with these bicycles. So they got it up in this rack, and, you know, I tore my back up in a lawnmower accident five years ago. Had a back surgery two years ago. I've re-injured my back several times since then. They just told me a month ago they want to cut on my back again. So I reached up there, snatched that bike off that rack, 218-pound grown man. Yeah, I'm getting heavier for those of y'all tracking it. And I told y'all, dieting is for people who want to diet. I don't want to diet. I want to eat donuts. Amen. So I, I yanked that thing down, get on it, and ride it around Walmart because that's what men do. Why would they have big old wide hallways if they didn't expect a man to ride a bicycle? And throw, hey, why do you think they got footballs in Walmart out of the box if they didn't expect you to throw them with your children all over the place? Am I right, Jason? You just got to rear back and throw it. So I ride the bike around Walmart, easy peasy, no problem. 
bring it back up to the rack, go, go to grab it. And Jacob said three different times, let me get that, Dad. I got that, Dad. Let me do that. And I, Grown man. So as I picked that bike up to put it back on that top rack, when I got my hands over my head, my whole back snapped, locked up, shut down. And I thank God, I give God praise for the strength to stand up in front of you today. Um, what a devil just trying to take. I'm baptizing people tonight, leaning over and pulling on folk. Y'all pray to God to give me strength to do what he's called me to do. But I want to praise God publicly today, and I want to talk to you biblically about praise. If I asked how many people believe we should praise God, everybody that's Christian or been in church for any length of time would say that they agree with that. The word praise is in our Bible hundreds of times. It, it is a recurring theme in the Word of God. We just read, I read for you our opening text, the entire chapter, Psalm 150, the last chapter in the longest book of the Bible, our current book of the month. And if you've been on your five-a-day trek, you'll be finishing up with 150 uh, really soon. And let, let's hear what it says again in verse 1. Praise the Lord, exclamation point. I'm always going to tell you, pay attention to the punctuation. It's there for your perfection. you got to take the word in bite-sized pieces so you can get it down on the inside of you. Praise the Lord, exclamation point. That's not a question mark because God is not confused and he's not asking a question. That's an exclamation point because God wants to draw much attention to it. He's saying it loudly. It's very important. He goes on to say, praise God in his sanctuary. And, and then he gives a lot of different places and ways that he commands us. See, these, I tell you, when you read the Bible to look for promises, look for commands, look for questions that you have to research at a later time. There's a lot of commands in this chapter. When he says, praise the Lord, that's not uh, an, a, a, a variable in God's mind. That, that's a command. That, that's not a request. That's a command. He's telling us what we need to do. He's commanding us to praise him. He's commanding us to praise him in his sanctuary. He's commanding us to praise him in his mighty heaven. But the first place it tells us specifically in this chapter to praise God is in his sanctuary. Here's what I think. If you won't praise God in church when you're being told to praise God, there's a real problem. If you sit and stare at the floor while other people are singing, there's a real problem. If you don't raise your hand when our worship leader tells you to raise your hand and give God praise, there's a real situation there. God tells us first to praise him in the sanctuary. He goes on to say, praise him in his mighty heaven, verse 2 says, praise him for his mighty works. Praise him for his unequaled greatness. These are some reasons why you ought to praise God. Verse 3 says, praise him with, and then it goes on to give a bunch of instruments that you should praise God with. I don't know what uh, the Church of Christ Bible looks like in these verses because they don't do music. I understand music or, or instruments. I understand sometimes instruments can get carried away. I've been in some church services where they said they were having praise and worship. It sounded more like a rock concert to me. I'm not good with that. 
I've been in some church services, claimed they were having a praise and worship service, fog machines running, laser lights going, screeching guitars going. I, that, that's not me. If that's you, fine with that. But that's, that's just not who I am. But we are definitely told to praise God with instruments. It says praise Him with a blast of the ram's horn. Before you fall asleep, I want you to know praise is designed to be loud. It's not designed to be sophisticated. It's not designed to be quiet and sedity and intellectual. It's designed, praise him with, boy, if I blew a ram's horn in your ear, you'd know it. <laughs> Let me keep moving. It says, praise him with the lyre and harp. Praise him with the tambourine and dancing. Praise him with strings and flutes, with a clash of cymbals, with loud clanging cymbals. This, this is a loud thing that God is asking for and in verse 6 he says let everything that hath breath praise the Lord and then it says it again just to be specific praise ye that's you you praise the Lord everything that hath breath as long as you're breathing God's command to you is to praise him and once you stop breathing on this side, if you're saved, you're going to wake up on the other side and you're going to really be praising him then. God says, let everything that has breath praise the Lord. This is a catch-all verse. This is a for everyone verse which takes away all the excuses of the, well, that's just not how I was raised. I didn't grow up in a church like that. Well, I'm not very demonstrative. I'm, I'm not as loud as you are. It doesn't matter. doesn't matter. God said everything that has breath is commanded to praise the Lord. Let me give you a couple other verses, and then we'll get into the teaching. Psalm 50, verse 23, God said, whoever offers praise glorifies me. Stop right there. If you are saved, you should have a desire to glorify God. If you call God your heavenly father, one thing I know for sure, good children want to make daddy proud. Good children want to honor their parents. And God says, if you offer praise, you are glorifying me. To glorify means to build up, to promote, to add weight to the case of another. It's like a character witness. It's a legal term where you call someone in to be your backup witness. They add weight to your claim. They say that your claim is true. When we praise God, we're adding weight to God's claim. God says that he's a good God. If we're not willing to praise him and to clap our hands for him and to shout and holler and sing and dance, then how good do we really think he is? When good things happen, people get loud. Oh, not me, Pastor. I'm, oh, come on now. I'm not saying everybody's got to be like Bubba Neck the, the hillbilly. Y'all haven't met him yet? Okay, my kids go to school in Clay County. So there's a lot of that uh, out there. And every graduation, and I'm so, I'm so glad my children are older now. Seth, Seth turned 13 years old. Um, what day was it? Friday. Thank, thank God for... Uh, one more year of life, amen, from, from one of our oldest members to one of our youngest members. I, I give God thanks for that. Um, how, do, how do we get on Seth turning 13? Man, my back's hurting so bad. 
hillbillies. Man, I'm so glad I'm past all these graduations. Thank you, Alyssa. I'm so glad. Man, they graduate them from everything. Graduating from kindergarten. What? What, you ready to go out into the world now and just get a job? Sign up for the draft? What? Gra graduating from third grade. How do you graduate from third grade? There's nothing to do. Graduating every other year for some reason in every graduation sir, awards, that's another thing. I told my kids, don't tell me when awards day is. I'm not coming anymore. I'm tired of celebrating mediocrity. I'm tired of everybody getting an award. They make up an award. Kid, kid got no reason to get an award. They'll make up an award for that kid. Uh, best smile. You know what that means? Had bad grades, barely showed up to school, didn't turn in his homework. But he's got a nice smile. So listen, all these award shows, all these graduations, the, the, the leader, principal, vice principal, whoever's running the thing, always says the same thing. Let's hold our, all our applause until when? You know this. You'll hold all your applause to the end. So the first four or five little kids come across the stage. Everything's good. Here he comes. Billy Ray. Bubba Nuck Huckabuck. Yeah! Wow! Ringing a cowbell. That's my boy. Well, we figured. I mean, it, it, it goes on every end, you know. Tamina Rashida Latricia Quinell Jones. Yeah! Hot dog girl! Y'all didn't like that one as much. I, Hold your applause till what does that mean? That means, but hey, listen, you ain't about to shut up Billy Bob Bubba Neck Huckabuck's family. Not when Billy Bob, Billy Bob's the first one that ever graduated to sixth grade. It, I just realized why they have graduated. It's Clay County. That's funny to me. You cannot shut up up somebody who is there to celebrate their child you want to see the most sedity person you know get excited swell up and get loud start going through pictures of their grandchildren with them their babies with them start telling them how pretty their kids are and how smart their children are and you'll see swole in a heartbeat but if you be honest I know you think your babies were pretty. All babies look pretty much the same when they come out. Wrinkled and gooey. There's a reason they take them away from you when they first get them. You try to clean this one up a little bit, make this one presentable before we lay this up on mama's chest. Don't tell grandmama that, though. She came out, she was beautiful and wrinkled and gooey. But you can't shut up somebody who is sure enough sold out in love with somebody who's being celebrated. They call Billy Bob's name across that stage. They, they, they're there to celebrate because they, there is a celebratory spirit when someone is being recognized that you love, which causes me to pause when we come Sunday after Sunday and sing about how great God is, and people stare at the ground. We talk about how awesome God is, and nobody's willing to even crack a smile. 
I'm not saying that you have to run around the building screaming, shouting, throwing money on the altar, which I wouldn't mind at all if you did. Just keep your clothes on and your feet off the chairs. Amen? Amen. Celebration should be going on. People at these graduation ceremonies, they're willing to celebrate. Go to a football game. Let, let, let your child score. It don't matter if it's the winning touchdown or not. Your team be down by 900 points. Your child punch it in from the half-inch line, and you just going. the whole crowd is depressed because their team losing. That one woman jumping up and down at the top of the stadium, you know who she is. The mother of the child who just made that meaningless touchdown. Why? Because they're celebrating someone that they love. We come to church on Sunday morning as a celebration. We come to church on Sunday and not Saturday because the day Jehovah chose to be worshipped changed at the resurrection. For thousands of years, God's people had worshipped him on Saturday as they had been commanded to do. But when Jesus rose from the dead on the first day, of the week on a Sunday when they went to the tomb and found out on Sunday he's not here he's risen and he showed himself alive they started saying hey look next Sunday let's get together and have a party and celebrate this thing and forever since then we've been gathering on Sunday morning to celebrate God's resurrection but if we be honest there's not a whole lot of celebration going on in the average church members life or mine on Sunday morning, but we need to see what the word of the Lord says. Whoever offers praise, God said, glorifies me. That ought to be what you want to do. You ought to want to build God up, extol God, magnify God, pour your love out on God, add weight to God's claim that, yes, he is a good God. He said, to whoever obeys my commands, I will reveal my power to deliver. This is why some people... Never get healed of anything. This is why some people never experience any of God's goodness. This is why some people have never felt the touch or the power of God. Because even if they love to sing, if they love to praise God, but they don't obey his commands, they're not going to see his power. You get close to God through praise, but you get touched by God through obedience. So you got to do more than just one thing. But we want to continue to concentrate on praise this morning. Psalm 22, 22 says, I will declare your name to my brethren. In the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. I will declare your name to my brethren. How are you going to declare God's name to your brethren? If they're your brethren, that means they're, are, are they saved or lost? They're saved. So they already know God, right? But why would you declare God's name to somebody who already knows God. Because you're just so excited you won't shut up. You are just, it, it, it's like the old people of God used to say, I can't help but to praise him. If, if, I don't, if I don't praise him, I'll explode. Where did that spirit go to in the church? Too much television, video games, and social media. The Bible says we should declare God's name to our brethren. It says, in the midst of the assembly... I will praise you. Now, the Scripture says we have these stories for our example so we can learn from them. And I've been telling you for years that if you want what other people have, you got to do what they did to get it. 
Now, the psalmist was a mighty warrior and a mighty worshiper. The psalmist had closeness to God. The psalmist had favor with God. If you really want to please God and have favor with God, you got to do what, what the psalmist did so you can have what he had. He said, in the midst of the assembly, I will praise you. God commands us to praise him in the church. That's the midst of the assembly. And he says, I will praise you. First question I want you to think about this morning. Are you willing to praise God at church? Because I already told you, if you won't praise God at church, you're all the way out of gas. Don't, don't, don't even try to pretend like, well, I don't raise my hands, smile, clap, get excited about God in church. But, oh, you ought to see me in my prayer closet. If you don't praise God at church when you're being told to praise him, I don't even know if there is a prayer closet, but that's, that's me. He said, I will praise you. you got to make a determined effort. you got to make a declaration and determination that says no matter what, hurt back, people driving you crazy, good days, bad days, happy days, sad days, God is worthy to be praised. Psalm twenty-two twenty-five. 25, he goes on to say, I will praise you in the great assembly. This is a determination. We need to get this determined. We need to get determined that when we come to church, we will praise him. We will declare his name in front of all our brothers and sisters in Christ. You don't need to worry about anybody around you praising God. You ought to shout anyhow. You ought to lift your hands and praise him anyhow. He says, I will fulfill my vows in the presence of those who worship you. Don't worry about what other people are doing. I've told you for a long time, when we have church, when you drive up into this place, you ought to carry your praise with you. You ought to bring your worship with you. You know where you're driving to. When you get here, you ought to be dead set on ready. You ought to be rock solid and ready to praise him when you come into the great assembly, when you come into the sanctuary, when you come into the place where God's people gather one thing the bible teaches us among many is that there are levels of growth in christ the bible says it's god's desire to transition us from one level of glory to the next level of glory to get us closer and closer to who god is and who he wants us to be and i can tell you this i want to be as close as i can i want to be as close as i can i think that's the heartbeat of everybody I think that's what all of us should say but it takes doing something to get there I preached a message one time called the pathway to God's presence is praise around the, these verses Psalm 100 verse 4 says enter into his gates with thanksgiving and into his courts with praise be thankful unto him and bless his name the approach to God is seen in a mirror or in an analogy to the approach to the holy place in the Old Testament tabernacle. There were outer courts, there were inner courts. There were things you had to do here to get to here. You had to wash your hands in the laver. You had to move through the outer court to get to the inner court. You had to come into the gate just to get into where the tabernacle was. And he says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving. We do a lot of Bible study at Abundant Life. You guys should have the answers to these easy biblical questions. The Bible 
tells us a lot of things specifically. Some things are inferred just through what is said, and you ought to pick up on it as it's said. When God says, enter into his gates with thanksgiving, what is he telling us that you cannot do if you don't have thanksgiving? You can't get in. You wonder why God seems so distant to you? You wonder why your prayers feel like they're just bouncing off the ceiling? You wonder why you don't feel connected to God? You can't even get in the same vicinity as God with mumbling, grumbling, and no thankfulness. If you're going to complain and gripe your way through every situation in life, if you're not going to come to God with thanks in your mouth, you're out of gas. There's an approach to God. There's a way to get to God, and you can't even begin without thanksgiving. There's a pathway to the presence of God. you got to walk in the gate with thanksgiving and into his courts. You get closer to him with praise. If you don't give God thanks, if you don't give God praise, don't fool yourself and think that you're close to him. You wonder why he's not blessing everything that you're doing. You wonder why you don't feel his power. You wonder why your life's a wreck, why everything's upside down and falling apart. You grumbling, mumbling, complaining, backbiting, unhappy, bitter about everything. We've got to bring thanksgiving and we've got to be, bring praise. We've got to be thankful to him and we've got to bless his name if we want to be close to him. Psalm 111 verse 1 says, praise ye the Lord. There's that command again to all of us. And the psalmist said, I will praise the Lord with my whole heart in the assembly of the upright and in the congregation. This is the layout of how praise ought to happen when you come to church. Look at what it says. I'll tell you what it doesn't say. It doesn't say, I'll praise the Lord when I feel like it. It doesn't say, I'll praise the Lord if they sing a song I like. It doesn't say, I'll praise the Lord if, 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 if the mood strikes me. And it doesn't say, I'll praise the Lord a little bit. He said, I'll praise the Lord with my whole heart. You ought to have a whole heart mindset. The Bible says the only way to find God is when you search for him with your whole heart. And the only way to get close to God is when you praise him with your whole heart. He says, I'll do it in the assembly of the upright. I'll do it in the congregation. Psalm 135 verse 3 says, praise the Lord, for the Lord is good. Sing praises unto his name, for it is pleasant. All right, Bible geniuses, let's pretend like we're on Sunday night or Wednesday night Bible study. And let's break this thing down. The last phrase says, for it is pleasant. What's pleasant according to this? Praise, specifically singing praises to God's name. Who says that it's pleasant? God does. I told you for years, if you want to give somebody a present, give them what they want, not what you want them to have. Men, don't buy your wife a fishing boat unless she likes to fish. Don't buy her a treadmill unless she asked for it. Lest she ask you what you're trying to say. Ladies, don't buy your husband no ab roller unless you know he wants one. Or what are you trying to say? Give someone that you love what they want, what God wants, what God says is cool to him, what God says pleases him is when we praise 
him by singing praises unto his name. Psalm 22, 3 says, But thou art holy, O thou that inhabitest the praises of Israel. This is the verse that preachers and teachers use around the world to try to get the body of Christ to understand that God inhabits the praises of his people. Almost every other translation of this verse, every modern translation, replaces the word inhabits with is enthroned on. He sits in a high place on top of your praise. All right, so let's talk about the principle of inference. If God is enthroned on, he's encapsulated on a high place by your praises, if God is enthroned by your praises, what's happening if he sits on a throne because of your praises? What's happening to God in your life if you don't praise him? He ain't sitting on the throne in your life. Sitting on your own throne. Theologians tell us everybody worships something. And the most, most people either worship God or they worship themselves. But God's throne, his place of settling is the place where his people praise him. You want this house to be a place where God shows up? You got to come in here and praise him with your whole heart. You want your home to be a place where God shows up? He's enthroned on your praises. He, he sits down and dwells among people who are willing to praise him. So if God hangs out with those who praise him, guess what he doesn't do for those who don't praise him? He don't hang out with them. You wonder why your spirit is cold and lifeless. You wonder why you're existing and not living. You see verses in the Bible that talk about being the head and not the tail, above and not beneath. You see verses in the Bible that talk an abundant life, a powerful life, a, a more than conqueror life, but you don't feel that on your own. It ain't God's fault. It's never God's fault. God says, I'll set up a throne on top of what praises me. You get God in your life by, by praising him with your whole heart. So I talked a lot about praise already this morning, but the problem is that is a word that the average person cannot define. That is a word the average person could not give you. A, if I went just up and down the road, now if we scratched out everybody that's been here for more than two years and already heard this sermon, if we crossed out people who already know the answer because I told them the answer, and I walked up row by row and I asked people, do you believe that God wants you to praise him? Most people would say what? Yes. If I said, well, how do you praise him? What do you specifically do to praise him? How do you praise him? Most people would give the answer that I've heard for 35 years of preaching. Well, I praise him in my heart. And that's a lie. Because you can't praise God in your heart. You can love him in your heart. You can worship him in your heart. You can adore him in your heart. But you can't praise him in your heart. See, love is, is more than, but it certainly is a feeling. Adoration is an emotion. To, 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 to love on God can be an internal thing. But praise is not only participatory, it's not only demonstrative, but it's outward. Praise is a verb. 
When I say, how do you praise him? And you say, well, I praise him as I'm sitting still here with my eyes closed and I'm praising him in my heart. No, you're not doing that. I give you the same example I've been giving y'all since day one. If I met you for the first time or if we started talking today after church and you brought up fishing. And Brother David loves to fish. And, and if you brought up fishing, you got a locked-in partner right there to talk fishing, to go fishing, to learn about fishing from. But if I stepped into the middle of your conversation and like, oh, hey, Pastor, we're just talking about fishing. And I said, what? Fishing? Oh, I love me some fishing. Oh, fishing is my thing. I, I, fishing is what I'm all about. And you said, well, do you saltwater fish or, or freshwater fish? You fish on the boat or off a dock? And I looked at you and said, oh, you mean like with, with water and a fishing pole and, 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 and bait? I don't, I don't do all that, man. I fish in my heart. <laughs> now you realize how stupid people sound when they say they praise him in their heart. Deacon Keon, the personal fitness trainer, knows a lot about the body, knows, knows a lot about working out. If you were talking to Deacon Keon about working out, and, and I walked up, and, and y'all were like, oh, we're just talking about some new workout routine. And I said, what? Working out? Man, that's my thing. You're talking about working out, man. I'm, I'm down with you. And you're like, oh, really, Pastor? Well, you don't look it. I'm like, hey, I understand that, but it's my, I, I just love it. Love working out. And, and, and then you say, well, do you work out at the gym or at home? Do, do you use free weights or machines? And, I, and if I looked at you, I said, oh, you mean like actually putting my hands on something? Like sweating and all that? Oh, no, man. I, I don't go to the gym. I don't use free weights or machines. I, I, I work out in my heart. <laughs> now you're starting to realize how stupid you sound talking about you praise God in your heart. You cannot do a verb in your heart. Praise is a verb. The problem with this verb is it's not a verb used in 21st century vernacular. So go ask any child, any church person, or any unchurched person that don't come, any unchurched person or any church person that don't come to abundant life, and you ask them, how do they praise God? And watch if they don't say they praise Him in their heart which means they don't praise him at all and they don't know what it means. If I told Deacon Jimmy to, well, well, y'all watch this. Do, do me a favor. Raise your right hand. All right, put it down. Raise your left hand. Put it down. All right. He did that. I, just As soon as I asked him to do it, he, he did it. Uh, all right. Now, if I said, now here's what I want you to do. I want you to shaling by Sula Banker. What? Saling by Sula Banker. I just want you in front of everybody, Saling by Sula Banker. Do y'all think he can do that? No. Why? Because he don't know what it is. Some people don't praise God because they're unwilling, but some people don't praise God because they don't know what it is. You can't do what you don't know how to do. Brother David knows how to fish certain waters for certain fish. He's going to catch more fish than the average person going out there. Why? Because he knows how to do it. There's certain bait you use to catch certain fish. There's certain techniques you use to catch certain fish. And if you don't know how to do it, listen to this, this is deep. If you don't know how to do it, then you don't know how to do it. And if you don't know how to praise him, 
Because you've been lying to yourself your whole Christian life, saying you praise him in your heart. Because you didn't come from a church that taught you not only that you had to praise him, that God commands you to praise him, that he's happy when you praise him, but what it means to praise him, then you're just going to be walking around thinking you're doing verbs in your heart. Go ahead, husband. You want to please your wife? He, he, this, is, this is hilarious, but it's true. And it keeps coming out the same way. I think they just say it now because they know that's what they're supposed to say. Survey's been going on for the last 20 years plus. Same question. Number one way to show your wife that you love her and you're ready for some romance. You know, you know, you know the number one thing that, that you could do for her that day? Uh, sprinkle out red rose petals? Uh, put, put on some, some, some Marvin Gaye? What? None of that. You know what it is? Grab that vacuum. <laughs> Carolyn said, clean up. Grab that vacuum cleaner and clean her house. You want to get her motivated. Well, you want to get her motor running. Crank that vacuum cleaner up one time. Do the, see, oh, now you're going to the next level. You got to know what to do to please somebody. The reason why most marriages fail on intimacy is because the man don't know what the woman wants. All right? Now, I ain't going to teach you all that right now in five minutes because y'all, some of y'all are going to take a whole lot longer. But we need, you, you, if you just tell your wife, when she says, I thought you said you were going to vacuum the house. Well, I vacuumed it in my heart. I got news for you. Ain't going to be no skyrockets in flight. No afternoon delight. And she says, what happened to the dishes? I told you before you go to bed, wash them dishes. Well, I washed them in my heart. That don't fly because it's not doing anything. And praising God in your heart is not doing anything. So we're going to learn again today how to praise him. The word has the answer for everything. Now, here's, here's the difficulty with the Bible. And if you ever take a hermeneutics class, and we talk a lot about hermeneutics on Sunday night and Wednesday night, if you ever take a hermeneutics class, the art and science of properly interpreting literature, especially as it relates to Scripture, you'll find out that there are some difficulties when it comes to understanding the Bible. And one of the first hermeneutical difficulties in understanding the Bible is what theologians call the language gap. There are certain gaps that are just hard to bridge from thousands of years ago with a different language that we don't speak on a regular basis or anymore at all. I've preached with an interpreter before, but because I'm full of flavor, colorful, ghetto, whatever you want to call it, I have certain sayings, slangs that don't necessarily translate word for word in Spanish. I've looked over after I've said something that I knew was a little off the chain, and they're like, and they're trying to figure out the closest word to what I just said so the crowd will understand what I'm trying to say. Okay, well, God's Bible was not written in these thousand thuses. That's why I encourage you to stop praying in the King James Version. Uh, I grew up in a church where a different deacon opened in prayer every time. And my sister can tell you, when, when, uh, or an usher, when, when uh, Jan's dad would open in prayer, same prayer every time. 
And he would pray to his king, Oh, thou most gracious heavenly father, thou art certainly kind to us and hast been mindful of we are many trans... God don't talk like that and neither do you. Okay? I love the King James Version of the Bible. I love the majesty of the language. I love the poetry. It's what I cut my teeth on reading scriptures. What I still read in my private study time. But you don't have to talk in the King James Version because the original Bible was not written in 1611. Neither was it rewritten in 1769 when they gave us an English legible 1611 version of the King James. The 1611 version, for those of y'all who like uh, academia, the 1611 version that King James authorized had different English than we speak now. The O's made V sounds and the V's made O sounds, sounds and you wouldn't even be able to read that. So they had to rewrite it in 1769 so English speaking people could speak it in modern English. What am I saying? Language gap. The original Bible was written long time ago by people that God inspired to write it. And the Old Testament was primarily written in Hebrew and the New Testament was primarily written in Greek. Old Testament is much longer than the New Testament. There's 1,189 chapters in the Bible. Only 260 of them are in the New Testament. The rest of them are in the Old Testament. So there's more words in the Old Testament in the original Hebrew language. So the word praise is in the Hebrew Old Testament more than it is in the New Testament. But there is no Hebrew word spelled P-R-A-I-S-E. Hebrew words are spelled differently, and when God wrote these words telling us to praise him, he didn't use our English words, he used Hebrew words. And there's not always a perfect translation in English for other languages. That's called a language gap. So I want to take the seven words that God used in the original Bible in Hebrew, and I want to tell you what God used for, we use the word praise. Now here's the reality. I think they should have used more uh, expansive words. And if you get a Amplified Bible, you will see that. I'll give you my quick definition. I've given you this one before, but it makes sense to me. In the King James Version, the Bible says in John 3, 16, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believed in him should not perish but have everlasting life. The Bible says... You have to believe in Jesus to be saved. Do we agree with that? Well, the Bible says the devils believe in Jesus, but they're not saved. So there's a disconnect somewhere. And it's not that the word is wrong. It's the word we have in English leaves something to be desired. If all we have to do is believe in him to be saved, then why aren't the devils saved? Because there's a... there's a more expansive word that the Greeks use. You can see it if you read in the Amplified Version of the Bible. In John 3, 16, it says, For God, the true God, so greatly and dearly loved and prized this world that he himself gave his one and only truly begotten Son that whosoever, listen, most versions say believe in. Listen to what it says. That whosoever trusts in, believes in, clings to and relies on him and him alone shall not perish into everlasting damnation but be saved from all destruction. Do you believe in Jesus? Everybody believes in Jesus. 
most documented human being on the planet. More books written about him than anybody else. Our calendar is set on the birth of Jesus Christ. This is 2017 B.C. The liberals and the crazies and, and, and the God-haters can say that B.C. now stands for Before Common Era, when that would be B.C.E., and they're starting to write that now, too, because they don't want to stay with what we had for 2,000 years ago, B.C., which means before Christ. But our calendar is set up on this man of great importance. We, we, we've got to not just believe in him. Everybody believes in him, but everybody's not saved. Here's what you need to figure out. Do you believe in him? Do you trust him? Do you cling to him? Do you rely on him and him alone for your salvation? See, I believe in Abraham Lincoln. I believe in George Washington. I believe Neil Armstrong walked on the moon. That could be a little sketchy, but some people don't believe that. I believe in these events. But I don't rely on them for my salvation. We use this English, this one English word, believe, for a whole lot of stuff that goes beyond just head knowledge. The same thing is true about our English word praise. We use one word for praise when God had seven different words he used in Hebrew in the Old Testament. And we just translated all of them to our one word praise. But let's look at them real quick. The first word that God used for our English word praise because I want you to know how to praise him. I want you to get out of praising him in your heart, and I want you to get into a verb, an action. I want you to get into a participatory, demonstrative act of praising God. The word barak, which means, and I've taken these definitions right out of the Hebrew Greek lexicon. These are not my definitions. These are ancient definitions of the real Hebrew word barak. Many times in the Bible where it says, praise the Lord, in the Hebrew it says, Barak Jehovah. The, he the Hebrews understood what it meant to Barak Jehovah. When I say praise the Lord, most people don't know what I'm expecting them to do. But when a rabbi said Barak Jehovah, everyone in the congregation knew, get on your knees. Because Barak means to kneel. And to say good things to God, to bless God as an act of adoration by kneeling. Yes, so when you say, I praise the Lord, one of the ways you can praise the Lord, let's see how many people are still awake and paying attention. What's one way you can praise the Lord, Christian? Get on your knees. Get on your knees and say good things about him. Bless him with your mouth while being on your knees. You just can't say, I praise the Lord, if you're not doing what the original verbiage was for you to do. Another one of the Hebrew words that God used that we translate consistently praise. When God said praise the Lord is the word zamar. The Hebrew rabbi would say zamar Jehovah. As we would say today, praise the Lord. But if I tell you praise the Lord, very limited activity for the average Christian in that. But if I said celebrate God in song and in music, you can understand that. This is what God's intent for praise is. This is a participation. This is a demonstration. This is a physical activity. This is a verb. The Hebrew word zamar is translated to our English word praise. Many times when the Bible says praise the Lord, what its original language is saying, Zamar Jehovah, celebrate in song and in music. Now, the first one, to kneel down. I wonder how many of you spend time kneeling. We, we used to, I haven't seen it in a while. 
I, I think I've seen it a couple times in this building. We used to see it a lot in the other building. People come, people so moved in the song service. We'll call it praise and worship, uh, but it's not really praise and worship if nobody's praising him or worshiping him. But in the, in the praise and worship portion of our service, there will be many times where people just come to the altar and kneel at the altar and just weep and tell God how much they love him. That needs to be happening. That, that's what it means to praise the Lord. But very few people are doing it. Zamar, Jehovah, that's what it means to praise the Lord. Celebrate God with song and music. That's not stare at the floor during songs and music. That's not mumble and talk to your neighbor during songs and music. That's celebrate. Some of y'all need to, listen, I don't advocate listening to a whole bunch of worldly music. Listen to music that draw your mind close to God. But some of y'all would do well to go back to, to the early 80s, grab you some cool in the gang, and listen to Celebrate. Good, Come on. Celebrate. Where's the celebration in the church? You, you celebrate when your team wins. You celebrate when your child does something good. You celebrate when Huck and Nuck Buff Chuck graduates first person in the whole history of your clan to graduate. Notice how I mixed that in? That's funny. Celebrate in song. And don't say you praise him in your heart because it's a verb. And these are the verbs in the original language. The third word God used for the word we have praise is the word yada. This is the second most used word. In the Old Testament for our English word praise. Yada, which means to hold out the open hand, to revere or to show love and honor to someone else by extending your hands. Now, if someone asks you, why should I raise my hands in church? You can say because the Bible says lift your hands in the sanctuary, because the Bible does say lift your hands in the sanctuary. But many times when the Bible says praise ye the Lord, it's saying, Yada Jehovah. I mean, lift your hand to God. Now, my kids have asked me, and I've talked to my kids, well, why, why, why should I lift my hands? Because God said so. So I was raised in, 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 a, in a family that had a mother. Uh, she didn't play with children. My mother taught me uh, from a young age, don't, don't negotiate with terrorists. No. No. All y'all sitting there, and I... You're driving me crazy in a grocery store with a four-year-old. Now, Billy, don't throw the can of corn again down the aisle. Why? Because it's not nice to throw the can of corn down the aisle. Why? Because the people don't want you to throw the can of corn down the aisle. Why? <laughs> that wouldn't have happened in my mom. Don't you throw that can of corn down the aisle. Ask why. That, you hit already. You should have been so stupid to ask my mother why about anything. She had one answer for why. The best parenting answer of all time. The answer that should be given to a child every time they even think. Why? Because what? I said so. God said so. God said lift your hand. Well, I don't understand why I got to lift my hands in church. Oh, God said so is not enough? Well, I'd just like to understand it. I'm just not as trusting as you are. I, I just need to be able to intellectually rationalize it. Really? 
can you intellectually rationalize for me how when I flip that light switch on, most of all these lights go on, but this one over here didn't? Hmm? Oh, you want to talk to me about ballast and light bulbs now. You want to explain to me how that light bulb is built? You want to build one in your garage? Oh, no, you can't intellectualize all that, but it's good enough for you. You know when you turn on the light switch, it works. Oh, you want to intellectualize and rationalize everything, but at night when you get ready to go to bed, you want to go ahead and knock that air down a couple of degrees. You just push the arrow, bing, 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 until it gets to where you want it to be. You can't intellectualize and rationalize to me how that heat pump would call the heat pump, make cold air. You can't rationalize to me what the Freon is doing because guess what? They don't even have Freon anymore. They got something else. You might still have some old school stuff. What am I telling you? Stop trying to have to know everything. Why can't it be good enough for you God said to do it? God said lift your hand in the sanctuary. There's lots of reasons we lift our hand in the sanctuary. First and foremost because God said so. Lots of other reasons. Uh, the ancients have told us one reason to lift your hands is to make sure God sees you. It's me, it's me, it's me, oh Lord, standing in the need of prayer. I'm here, God, to love you. Somebody call your, they call roll, you raise your hand and say present. So they can recognize you, they heard you say present, but they don't look up and see where you're sitting. Another one is the ancients would tell us that they, they would hold their hands up as if to symbolically say, my hands are clean, and my heart is clean, and I long to be close to you. There's lots of theological reasons why we lift our hands, but it ought to be enough that God told us to. The next Hebrew word for praise in the Old Testament is the word tauda. This word comes from the word yada. It, it, it comes it's from the prime word yada, and it means the extension of the hands by a group while singing. You lift your hands to God at any time. But when people are singing to God, everybody ought to be lifting their hands. Why? Because God said, praise the Lord. Well, I can tell you praise the Lord, and you can sit there and, and do nothing and fake out like you're praising them in your heart. We know you can't. But you can stand there and do nothing. But when the rabbi said, Tauda Jehovah, you didn't raise your hands? Well, that's when nuns came around beating you with sticks. Now, I know I'm crossing two religions right there, but it makes good sense to me. Praise God is the extension of, hand, of the hands by a group while singing. This is one of the acceptable ways to praise God. You're not standing there doing nothing. You're definitely not praising God. You're not doing a verb while you're standing there doing nothing. But when we sing to God, there ought to be a group of people who are Lifting their hands. The fifth word, Shabbat, which means to be loud, to address in a loud tone, or to shout unto God. You say, well, why do I have to be loud? That's not my personality. I'm introverted and sedity. Okay, well, that's fine. But I bet if I hit you on the thumb with a hammer, you get loud. There's something that can make you get loud. But my question is, does your love for God enable you to get loud? Is your desire to obey God strong enough for you to get loud even if it's not in your personality? It's in my personality if you can't tell to be loud. There's me and my two sons live in my home. And they grew up, their mother died when they were two and four years old. They grew up in a loud house. 
we yell it across the house at each other. And sometimes we just yell just to yell. Early on it used to be, you all right, Dad? Yeah, I'm just stretching. Now they do it. I mean, because, you know, they're, they're stretching too. I don't know what they're stretching, but they're stretching. And some people are loud by personality type, and it makes this command easy. Other people are quiet by personality type, but it does not give you a hall pass to disobey God. Your personality is not relevant when it comes to obedience. God didn't say, if you want to get loud, and it suits you, and you're willing to. No. He said, praise the Lord. Now, in certain verses, it comes out and spells it out for us in solid English. Shout unto God. With a voice of triumph, shout unto God with a voice of praise. Same word, Shabbat. But many times in the Bible, the, the English version says, praise the Lord. And it literally is translated from Shabbat Jehovah. If the rabbi said Shabbat Jehovah, people would just begin shouting. Hallelujah. And shouting loudly to God. To call on God with a loud voice. Dad, I just think that church is a holy place and we need to be quiet. You don't celebrate. Celebration is not a quiet thing. And no matter what you think about celebration, no matter what you think about personality, God said, I want you to shout. Mm, let me keep moving. The sixth Hebrew word for praise is halal. And this is the number one Hebrew word for our English word praise. More times than any other place in the Old Testament, when the word praise is seen in the English language, it's the original Hebrew word halal. When you read praise the Lord, it's almost always halal. It's one of these other words too, but more times than not, it's halal. And this is the long dictionary definition. To shine forth, to celebrate, to act foolishly, to boast about, here, here it is in, in 2017 speak. To lose your mind in celebration. Amen. To rave. When's the last time you had a rave for God? When's the last time you just lost your mind? Listen, I am not a Jacksonville Jaguar fan. Do not try to convince me. I'm a Miami Dolphins fan. I grew up here in this city. Dolphins are the team of real Floridians. We didn't have no Tampa Bay Buccaneers. We didn't have no Jacksonville Jaguars. We had the Miami Dolphins, okay? But watch these Jaguar fans. They have lost so much. It's incredible. They have led the league at being the bottom in wins for the last five years. They've led the league at being the bottom in yards gained from the line of scrimmage for the last five years. So they are used to this. They have lost so much and scored so little that if they by chance, only team in the entire NFL that does this, if they by chance get a first down, 55,000 hillbillies. They start chanting what? Move them chains. Move them chains. They start celebrating a first down. 
The New England Patriots don't celebrate a first down. They celebrate championships. They celebrate first down. Listen, if by chance the Jacksonville Jags were to be close at the end of a game, because you know they only get two or three wins a year. On average, I'm not hating. I'm telling the truth. Three wins a good year for Jacksonville. Three and 13. Hey, we're holding it down. Last again, but we got three. If they are close to winning and they score at the end of the game in a home game and get a win, I want you to know all the real Jacksonville Jag fans, they are losing their mind. Whoa, whoa, whoa. They're screaming, high-fiving, kissing people they don't know, jumping up and down, acting the fool. Real celebration. That's what praise is. Don't work being sedity. God wants to be celebrated, not sat there with you doing nothing but staring at him. Well, that's not in my person. It doesn't give you a hall pass to disobey God. God said to Hallel Jehovah. Seventh Hebrew word, Tehillah, which means from, it's from the word Hallel, which means to lose your mind in celebrating him, but to heal us specifically to Hallel while singing. Get excited during the song service. Jump up and down and holler and shout. Scream amen and hallelujah. See, we write hallelujah as one word. The Hebrews write hallelujah as two words. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. Praise. Ja. God. Praise God. You, and and and. Hallelujah is always loud. It's a shout to God. Hallelujah. Hallelujah to the Lamb. That's not hallelujah. That, that's, that's weak attempt from church folk to sound churchy. Lose your mind celebrating God during song. I don't have time to get into these six Greek words in the New Testament. But let's, let's just think about these seven words in the Hebrew. I'll come back tonight. I'll give you these Greek words, more current words, more up-to-date usage. Come on, Jeff. More, more up-to-date words. Come back tonight at 6 o'clock if you can. We'll Bible study through that. But think about these. When I say praise the Lord... When God says praise the Lord, when you tell your children to praise the Lord, when somebody tells you to praise the Lord, when you read praise the Lord, don't think, well, I just love him in my heart. That's bogus. That's bad information. That's poor training. That's no theology at all. That's less than bad theology. When you think praise the Lord, when you read praise the Lord, you got to do one of these seven things. These are the only seven things in the Old Testament that God used to describe what he means by praise. You've got to do one of these seven things. And if you want to be closer to God, you got to do more than one. Listen, why would you want to be in love with somebody at a distance? Children in the room. Young people and old people, married people and single people. Listen, if you're going to be in a love relationship with somebody, you ought to want to be intimate with that person. You can't get the goody from across the room. You ought to want to love them with your whole heart. You ought to want, the, the Bible says that Adam knew Eve and she had a son. Jesus says he wants to know us. 
Paul said more than anything, I want to know him. This is an intimate, tangled up, all on somebody love. This is the kind of way you ought to love God. When God says to praise him, you ought to barack. There ought to be some point in your, in, in your day where, where you kneel before God and you tell him he's awesome and that you love him. I tell you, first thing you ought to do when you get out of bed before your feet touch the floor, you ought to, you ought to recognize God. You ought to acknowledge God first thing. First words out of your mouth ought to be, good morning, God. Thank you for another day. You, you, you ought to get on your knees and tell God that you love him. That's praise. Zamar, you ought to celebrate in song and in music. You ought to have Christian music playing in your car. You ought to have Christian music playing in your home. You ought to have Christian music playing in, in, your, in your earbuds. You ought to listen to Christian music, whether you're a music person or not, because God said to celebrate him with song and music. So you got to hear it and you got to sing it. Third word, yada. You got you to lift your hands up to God. And you don't even have to understand why. If, if I told you I wanted everybody to, to sit on this side, and, and, and sometimes we've done that, the crowd will be small, and like tonight I'll have my lectern down on the floor. If I said everybody just sit over on this side, don't be that one ignorant person over here. Well, why he want us to sit over there? I'm comfortable where I am. I just can't stay. Because I asked you to get on this side. And if you love me, guess what you do? Here's get on this side. Because you recognize that, that God positioned me here to be the overseer. And if I ask you to get, if I tell you I want you to sit on this side, that ought to be enough. God says, lift your hands to me. That ought to be enough. Tell you one thing, the more you do it, the more you'll realize it's the right thing to do. I see people coming in. They make that stale church move all the way to the Holy Ghost move. They come in and they're like, what is going on here? They're about to break out snakes. Oh, people crying. Thank you, Jesus. Lift. What are they doing? Then all of a sudden they come back two or three times and they're like, okay. Hey, I'm getting it now. I'm getting it now. And then they're like, all right. And then they all up, and then they just get all out. God wants you to do it. And it may feel strange, awkward, or uncomfortable in the beginning. But just based on your willingness to obey him, he promised to bless you. You do these things, and God's going to open up to you in a new realm. You got to tout to God. You got to lift your hands while, the, while we're all singing. Don't be five people on your row, two people with their hands lifted up, three down. You're the swing vote. Lift your hands. God said to you got to Shabbat God. Some of y'all been in churches. I told y'all about, you know, Miss Hattie Mae. Miss Hattie, every, every church needs to have Miss Hattie Mae. Miss Hattie, Miss Hattie Mae scares off visitors, but she, she invokes the Lord. And I'd rather invoke God if, even if it meant scare off some visitors. How, how, how does she do that, Pastor? Thank you! Thank you! Thank you, Jesus! Thank you. you don't even have to say, come on, let's just put our hands together and give God praise. Miss Hattie Mae came in. Ha! Hey! Ha! Ha! 
thank you. You say, well, that's not my personality and my name's not Hattie Mae. Fair enough. But you still got to be loud to God. You still got to say hallelujah at the top of your lungs. You still got to sing out to God. It's not about your personality. It's about your willingness to obey him. You got to praise him. You got to hallel him. You got to be willing to look stupid. See, this is why some people won't praise God. You know, I want people looking at me, jumping up and down, screaming like Miss Hattie Mae. And then they fake it and say, well, I don't want to call attention to myself. Your arrogance calls attention to you because everybody else is praising him but you. It's about are you willing to do what God told you to do. And this last one, we got to get this together. We need to heal a God. We read, the, we read the phrase, praise the Lord. The Hebrew original text said, Tehillah, Jehovah. Celebrate wildly while you're singing to him. I've been to church services. All different denominations. High church, low church. Good church, bad church. I've seen people literally singing the words, Oh, how I love Jesus. 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 What time is it? Because what are you doing? You're not celebrating. It didn't say to heal a God if you sing like Israel Houghton. It didn't say to, to celebrate in song if you have a good singing voice. That's why I sing loud. I am the loudest singer in this congregation with one of the worst voices. By choice, I choose to sing loud by example so you will know. If he can sing loud with that voice, I can probably turn mine up a notch. I'll be honest with you. One of the things I miss there are very few things I miss about our former location. I, I, I don't miss at all having 600 people show up on Sunday morning. I didn't know all them people. They didn't know me. You can't, one man can't minister to that many people. I, I much like the size we are better right now. Because if you want to get to know me, you got access to me. You can get to know me. You come, you come in my office and sit down, can't you, Stacy? You, I, I, love, I love what we have here. We have a family unity that, that, that is growing stronger than it's ever been before. But one of the things that I miss about having three, four, five, six hundred people in a room at my former church, having 2,000 people in a room, big singing. I mean big singing. I mean you singing so loud you can't even hear yourself because everybody else is singing around you. We don't have six, seven hundred people. We don't have 2,000 people, but I promise you this, if everybody turned their singing volume up, it'd sound better in here, and God would smile on it, and we would truly be praising him and not just mumbling through a song service. Consider this. All these messages are free on the mobile app. You can download them on a podcast. You can go to the, to the website and get these for free. Look these words up. Start praising the Lord. 
God said when you praise him, you're doing something that pleases him. You need to praise him, not in your mind. You need to do these seven things constantly, all the time. I was talking to my sons last night. We were in the bookstore looking at different books, and I was showing them some different books that they need to read as Christian men. One of them, uh, it's not a, I told them, I ain't big, huge on this book. It's got a more worldly application than Christian, but a Christian man wrote called The Five Love Languages. And you need, you need to know what your love language is, how you receive love, and you need to know what, what your, your significant other's love language is, how, how you need to give them love so they can receive it. you got to love somebody in a way that they know you're loving on them, in a way that they like being loved on. The same holds true with God. God's not so desperate for our love that he'll just take anything. Well, he ought to just be glad I showed up. He's not. God said the prayer to unrighteous is an abomination unto him. He's not desperate for prayer. He's not desperate for people to talk to. He's not desperate for church membership. He's not desperate for worship. And he won't take anything less than spotless. He wants pure, wholehearted worship. So I want to encourage you. Make a determination to be who God called you to be. Make a determination to praise God the way the Bible says. You should praise him. Pray with me. God, thank you for your word. Thank you for clarity, God. Thank you for physical strength, Lord. I pray that you would give us a heart to praise you. God, you've been better to us than we deserve. You're good to us. You're a gracious, loving, kind, and merciful God. And you deserve more than we give you. Even in our public gathering. Even in the midst of the assembly, God. I pray that you would strengthen us as a local congregation to be determined to praise you in the assembly of the upright. God, I pray that you would let praise break forth without manipulation. I pray that you'd let praise come without being prodded by worldly influence. God, I pray that you'd give us a heart to praise you just because we love you and want to obey you. Father, I pray that you would bless your people. God, I pray that you would glorify yourself through us. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the AOCF Sound Doctrine Podcast. And visit us on the web at aocfnow.org. Your financial support for this ministry allows us to share the gospel around the world. Your support is greatly appreciated. If you would like to give a donation, please go to aocfnow.org. Abundant Life Christian Fellowship Church. Loving God, loving people.